the D Las Vegas Resort Casino presents Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Brought to you by Verizon Wireless. This is 5G done right. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Pick up any of our award-winning sauces on the way home tomorrow night at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casino, home of Bar Canada, a north of the border home. Roger Klein's Canesy owned tequila, ultra smooth Arizona owned. Behind the mask, whether you're on ice or in line, we are the Valley's headquarters for all of your hockey needs. By M Drive, presenting partner of What Drives You, M Drive for energy, stamina, recovery. And by Summer Skates, get your personalized koozies and shower shoes at icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by the D Las Vegas Resort and Casino, is a part of the IceTimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Rob Rothbard. All right. Well, welcome in, hockey fans, professional hockey fans, as you may be. Disky Southwest Weekly, Scott Strandy joining you tonight, not from Scottsdale, Arizona, but from High Arena in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. My co-host, as always now, the fixture, we're going to start to call him pretty soon. Rothfarb is with me, live from uh, beautiful Southern California. Rob, how are you tonight? Scott, I'm excellent. I'm uh, excited for a good show. Uh, the game was tremendous tonight. We had a great game yesterday. Uh, I'm excited to talk hockey. Yeah, it's, uh, you know... <laughs> This place is me, uh, Rob. Every time I come here, they find something new to uh, to excite the crowd as if they need it, right? I mean, they're they're excited as it is, but a big win tonight for the Vegas Golden Knights. They get a 4-1 victory uh, over Montreal. Uh, it, it seemed to me, Rob, like uh, Vegas was just uh, the better team. Uh, Mark Andre was sharp as always. Pull your goaltender with four minutes left, and and you, and you don't allow him to score. That's pretty impressive as well. I agree one hundred percent with what you just said. The Knights really, it, it, the shots on goal are going to make the game seem like it was a lot closer than it was. The Knights really pulled back, and they didn't really worry about the offense as much. And that's when the Canadians. Uh, took over in the shots uh, and made the gap that much smaller. Uh, Andre, Marc-Andre Fleury, as usual, in a first game of a new series, you need to be sharp early and because you expect a rush from the visiting team. So the, uh, Marc-Andre handled that. They outshot uh, the Canadians, outshot the Knights uh, in the first period by like something like a 12-8 to 8 margin. And Marc-Andre was the, was the man. They, they left the first period with a one nothing lead. So And then it was just the Knights just being too much, uh, too quick, too big, uh, and it doesn't hurt to have 18,000 plus screaming fans uh, cheering you on. Uh, as I said, it's uh, it's always an adventure when you come to Vegas because you never know what they're going to give you, right? I mean, the uh, the crowds today came out with uh, light sticks, <laughs> and it was just a, a phenomenal display. If you haven't been to my social media feed, get there to take a look at the video I put up. But as we look at uh, at what's going on around the National Hockey League, we're down to four teams, Rob. That's it. Just uh, four left. The series uh, started last night uh, with the Islanders getting a road win. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But uh, Vegas is just uh, – they're just uh, status quo, all right? They're just uh, – they're getting into their groove now, and they just continue to do to win playoff hockey. 
Well, I think the biggest thing that I could see from the Knights and that light show, that light stick show was was absolutely phenomenal. It was I was enjoying that. Uh, and uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about it. It was it was great. It was it was spectacular. And that's what Vegas is. It's a spectacular place to go. Uh, but the the night the Knights are taking a deep breath when they played against the Avalanche. They they constantly had to rush. You know, it's like the Smurfs coming after you with the Canadians. You know, hitting you at the knee, at the knee, at the knee, at the knee. Uh, whereas with the Avalanche, it was you know it was like. Uh, Hercules coming after you, boom, boom, boom. So they could actually take back a little bit, even when even when they get hit, it they bounce off. It's like a little fly. Uh, but the Knights are bigger, and as the, if it goes longer than five games, the the Canadians are going to be so worn down that I don't know what they'll have for next series. So I just think the Knights are that much better and down. Okay, next topic: a home ice. Um, I, I said when. Uh, Vegas lost uh, the last week of the season um, to Colorado here. I said, that might come back to haunt them. Uh, luckily, it didn't. They, they got their win on the road and uh, in Colorado, and they recaptured home ice, and you saw what happened. Um, now Vegas, the best record in the league left, uh, will have home ice, and uh, it showed again tonight. Uh, I think, Rob, it's going to make a huge difference um, when they go back to uh, – to uh, Montreal because Montreal again still Canada with limited uh, attendance uh, it, it's a big difference your thoughts on that it's going to be a tremendous difference because you have uh, what did you say 18,000 at, at uh, the fortress yeah I didn't have the exact number tonight but 18,000 plus it was a sellout yeah. no doubt yeah so you have that and that's that fires up the crowd and especially early on when Montreal's putting the pressure on and the crowd's still behind the Knights and it's not like in the later in the game the Knights are already losing and, the, and Montreal's putting pressure on and, and the fans are sitting on their hands no the fans are still into the game because it's the first period so and then they and then they uh they get the lead and even with Montreal still putting some pressure on they still had the crowd behind them and they still it matters because if it was a dead arena if it was like it's going to be in Montreal with only partial you know that you really can't get behind the home team and it's going to be a big difference because the younger guys on the nights, they're not used to that. They're only used to playing pretty much at home. They're not used to playing on the Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a huge difference maker. And like I said, mice, you just have to take advantage of it, right? Because um, if you don't, uh, it can end you real quickly in a playoff series. So uh, kudos to the Golden Knights for getting off to that uh, quick start. Game two will be Wednesday night right here at T-Mobile. Uh, again, I'm high up in the rafters. Right, We have our podcast a little bit later tonight, but I think well worth it. So, um, okay, second thing I want to talk about, uh, Rob, is just two words. I tweeted this out or I, I sent it out as message, I guess, to somebody that I said just two words tonight, Shea Theodore. Uh, he was dominant from the start to the finish. Uh, great defense, great playmaking. Uh, the setup that he gave to Alec Martinez for that goal was just a that that was just a playmaker's uh, move and 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 setup. Your thoughts on Shea Theodore tonight? Dominant, noticeable, front and center. Uh, he was just he was there. You he, you could see him on both ends of the ice. Uh, he was controlling the pace of the game. Uh, the first pass out uh, a lot of times uh, was connected, and and as a hockey player, you know. Uh, you don't connect on that first pass, your whole breakout goes uh, awry. You get that first pass. It doesn't matter if it's just 
two feet in front of you. You get that first pass, all of a sudden that confidence goes, and the skating gets a little quicker, the passing gets a little crisper, and all of a sudden now you're out of the zone and you're on a breakout. Uh, but he was definitely noticeable. He was also one of two guys, and I, I, I wonder if you knew this, only one of two guys that had multiple points tonight, the other being Riley Smith. Yeah, that was uh, the number one and two stars. Uh, Shea Theodore, the number one star. Riley Smith, the number two. And uh, Mark andre Fleury, the number three star. And um, I, I said I think my doctor thanked uh, Cole Caulfield tonight because he got that goal to make sure that uh, we didn't get a dozen donuts for the shutout. Um, I didn't need a dozen donuts. <laughs> and I'm sure my doctor would agree with me. Uh, my diabetes didn't need a dozen donuts. Uh, but uh, 4-1, another great victory. Uh, just your recap thoughts, Rob. We talked a little bit about uh, the, the points that I had, but anything that you saw that, that needs to be mentioned tonight? I just think plain and simple is as the game wore on, the Knights wore the Canadians down. And if it wasn't for the Knights laying back at the end of the game, like I said earlier, the Canadians would not have been that close in the shots on goal department. Uh, the Knights just really controlled the game after the Canadians took the early charge. And the, once they got the lead, they were able to be like, okay, let's take a breath. Let's take control of this game and just wear them down. And that's uh, that, that's 100% uh, accurate. Um, I want to ask you this. Playing uh, a man short, whether it's on a power play or whether it's uh, on a, a pulled goalie, um, I just – I struggle sometimes to figure out why these guys can't clear the zone. I understand the theory, the concept, yeah. But, I mean, all it takes, especially with an empty net, is just to make one play, get out of your zone and score that empty net goal, and you bury them, right? But it seems to be so difficult. This is almost four minutes tonight of that. Well, I'll, I'll take two takes on it. From my playing days, I'm, I didn't have to worry about sending the puck out of the zone and icing and not being able to change or – sending the puck out of the rink and being penalized for it. So those are two things that most hockey players don't have to deal with when they're in that situation. So it's that's where I'm going to play devil's advocate on what you just said, because that's where it's tough. Yes, I've been in the position where I've thrown the puck away because I'm exhausted. And remember, the more tired you are mentally and physically, the more tired, you, the more it's going to show. And when you're that tired mentally, you do silly things. You, you do things you normally don't do because you just – Take the puck, you, get, you want to get it out, you want to get a change, and you ice it now, you can't get change. So it's just. Yeah, I guess I agree with you on that as well. I just keep thinking, you know, you win one battle and you know that net's empty on the other end. Uh, you win a battle, get it outside your blue line, and then, uh, you know, who knows. But uh, the Golden Knights had some opportunities tonight uh, to do that. They, uh, they didn't, but uh, they were strong enough for in front of Mark Andre to make sure that they didn't get scored on as well. Well, their defense was was uh, shut down tonight, and I keep going back to it. But they in the third late in the third period is the, I was looking at it uh, as the game was happening. I was watching the shots closer, and it, it took until there was under a minute to go for them to uh, even up the period shots at eight or nine each or something like that. And then I think they ended up winning twelve nine or something like that on the shots in the third period, just because the Knights really laid back. They had a four one lead. It didn't matter. They had four one lead and Florian net. So they felt they were. Okay, so let me ask you this. Game two coming up on Wednesday. There's going to be a practice tomorrow. I'm going to sneak over there and catch a little bit of that. Um, what, if anything, do the Knights have to work on between now and Wednesday to continue this? And, and on the flip side, 
What does Montreal have to do? Is there something Montreal? They gave it a pretty good effort tonight. First and foremost, you got to stay out of the box. I believe they each had a power play goal tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if not, it was right after the power play, which should which counts just almost like a power play goal if you score when the guy couldn't get back into play. Uh, see, this is where it's tough on Montreal's part. Montreal did a lot of good things tonight. They put a lot of good pressure on him. They peppered uh, Flurry. They're just not big enough. I just think that in all the other series, their quickness was able to be uh, able to exploit the other teams. They can't do it. Yeah, that's a great point as well. Um, when we talk about the goaltenders, we've got two great goaltenders in the series. There's there's four great goaltenders really left in the uh, in in the, uh, the playoffs. Good good goal wait, wait, about- good goaltending in the final four. Oh, stop, <laughs> stop. <laughs> I knew you were going to get me on that one. Uh, but Carey Price uh, is Carey Price. I said at the beginning, watching him warm up tonight, I said uh, the Golden Knights want to score on They're going to have to go high and block her side, and they're going to have to get some traffic in front of them because if you try to go low on Carey Price, it's not going to happen very often. And if you try to challenge his glove, as, as uh, several of the Golden Knights, including Captain Mark Stone, found out tonight, uh, that glove is quick and it is very accurate. The only way you could really beat him glove side is what I've noticed is if you could get him off his angle a little bit, then he, and 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 him not realize he's off his angle because then he thinks he's set up perfectly and he can't get it with a glove. But that is one quick glove, and as he's getting older, it's not. Getting- yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's do this. Let's take a quick break and let's come back and bring in our own Stephen Marsh, the uh, the Vegas native, and and get his opinion on what's going on, and then. Uh, when we finish up with Stephen, we'll roll into the uh, Islanders-Tampa Bay uh, series, which is uh, the second half of the semifinals in the NHL playoffs 2021. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates, Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Phil Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for group thirsty after getting off the ice. Our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable. Show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates. You can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Download your new sports betting app with Circus Sports. Get 24-7 access to a dynamic sports betting menu, including props, futures, cross-sport parlays, in-game wagering, and more. Sign up for the mobile wagering app at CircusSports.com. Then visit one of our downtown Las Vegas sports books at the D or the Golden Gate to activate and fund your mobile wagering account. Learn more at CircusSports.com. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Uh, that fortress, that combination of brisket, hot licks, fries, back and meat, surrounded by a fritz. 
I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Middle Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years from the weather at professional hockey self hotel resort and casino or and uh, the circa hotel as well scott strandy with you from high atop uh, t-mobile arena tonight my co-host rob rothbarb is with me uh from southern california and it's our pleasure to bring in our own Stephen marsh uh, our uh UNLV, our Henderson Silver Knights, and occasionally a Vegas Golden Knights guy as well, but a native. So, Stephen, Scott, and Rob with you tonight. Um, back on what you, uh, you've you seen so far. Yeah, guys, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, first of all, first time on with Rob, and Rob, welcome aboard. It's great to have you on our, on our crew here. And... Uh, you know, as regards to what's been going on with uh, what what happened tonight, man, this, you know, it kind of a, it's quite a run that the Golden Knights are on if you think about it. I mean, um, you think about the series of Colorado back, um, you know, how, how much they took care of them, and now you have a team of Montreal who, who they haven't played this season, and then all the storylines with, with Flurry playing against his hometown team and some of these players that are from that area uh, playing against the Canadians, and, and it's just – it's a pretty amazing um, – storylines there but for this game itself uh i really think the home the home ice advantage made a difference because i mean we saw i think montreal was was overwhelmed and i think um they played pretty good in the early going there and then the golden knights kind of found themselves and and kind of got in the early going but um you know for montreal not play, being able to play in front of big crowds this year really no crowds really until just a couple weeks ago um and they're going to t-mobile over eighteen thousand fans as loud as it was through the TV, and Scott, you were there. I'm sure you could attest to how loud it, and, and electric it is there. Um, it's pretty. Uh, it's probably overwhelming for them. So, uh, those are just some of the early impressions, just from outside the the game itself. But the one thing that I would uh, think that this run that they're on is different than uh, the run that took them to the Stanley Cup Finals. It just feels different. It just uh, and I'm not even talking about the whole city getting involved with uh, with the team and stuff like that. I'm just talking about uh, the way the team is playing. It just seems like a different type of team. You, why don't you guys who have been uh, covering the team a little bit longer, am I accurate with that? If not, you know. Well, I, I'll go first on that one. Yeah, and a lot of people say that about this team, that they are better than they were in 2018 and as great as – run that they had in 2018 and, and going to the final, um, this team is even better. I mean, just the additions that they've gotten over the last couple of seasons. I mean, every year they're, they're looking to add, add big names. I mean, they've, they've, since that first season, they've, they've gotten Mark Stone. Uh, they've acquired Alec Martinez. Uh, they've acquired Pat, Patch already. They've acquired, you know, obviously, Patangelo this offseason. So um, they, those are players that they did not have that first season, and now they have all those players. And, and it just seems like it's really led up to this moment now, this run that they're on, and uh, the, 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 the potential is there, and, and they have the skill, and, and if they don't win, it's, it's really going to be a, a disappointment because there's just so much talent on this team that um, 
they're they're built to win, and and we and we are certainly seeing that in this run. Yeah, Stephen, I totally agree with you. Um, I would say the uh, the the difference this year is that um, they're a more mature team. They're that can win with different styles, as they've shown already in the playoffs. Um, that the last two games I've been here for, um, that line of uh, Pacioretty, Stone, and and uh, Stevenson have uh, have not really been visible, but yet they've done their job. Well, Pacioretty had one of those hits again tonight. And I think that the, one of the things that the NHL is really going to need to do is, is to look into those type of hits. It's it's a good hit, but it just borders on that, that interference call. And I think that those type of hits could really set a tone for Well, Gary Bettman was in the building tonight at T-Mobile Arena, so we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's a team that, you know, those they're, they're going to let a lot go and uh, they'll have to – You'll look at it. It didn't look like it was anything too bad there, but and luckily nobody got hurt. But um, yeah, we've seen we've seen some some hard hits there, and and obviously you don't want anybody to get hurt. So there has to be a balance between what's what's a good hockey play and what what you can do, and what maybe is a little bit uh, over the line and and shouldn't be shouldn't be done. Well, I don't expect uh, too much bad blood. The teams haven't built it up yet <laughs> because they haven't played each other, so they don't they don't have that uh, history yet. But you know, the longer the series goes, obviously, uh, the more physical it's going to get. Yeah, no question. And 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 that's that's another key point too, Rob. Is that what's what really makes this third round really you know i was listening to some of the the shows today and the radio and other things what really makes this round so intriguing is is the fact that you're not these are teams that you haven't played this year you know the first two rounds uh you played uh, minnesota what eight times you played colorado eight times and then you played them in a playoff series so you were very familiar with the team that you were playing uh in those first two rounds so you already had a lot of maybe bad blood built up or a lot of uh, certainly um history that season plus the golden knights case they had played a team in minnesota who they did not do very well in their history in the regular season in 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 their history including this past season until the playoffs and then they were able to have that grueling seven game series and get past minnesota colorado's another team they've kind of had their their battles with and they were able to overtake them montreal's a, a team that they don't have as much history with in their history because of their they're on the eastern conference tech in in normal times and they do have a losing record against Montreal's, but that's again very small sample size. But uh, you're right; they didn't play them this year at all. So there's, I think that's what that first kind of ten minutes of the game were was kind of a feeling out of the two teams, and and I think that's why Montreal maybe had a little bit more of the action in that first ten minutes. But then Golden Knights settled into their game; they kind of adjusted, and and Flurry, of course, was great, and and they were able to settle in and and take over the game and and really assert themselves, but. Um, yeah, we'll have to see what happens as the series goes along. Uh, what what happens? See, especially how the series develops. Um, what will happen with the intensity? But uh, I would ex- I would expect it would certainly pick up a little bit. There's just too much at stake. I you know Montreal I'm sure is feeling the pressure. They're they're the only Canadian team left in the playoffs this year. There was one guaranteed to make the final four, but they're you know they got a lot of history. Um, they're the last Canadian team to win a cup, 1993. Of course, they've got all the the cups in their history. There's a lot of pressure on them. And then the Golden Knights, you know, there's a lot of expectations for them. So uh, we'll see what happens. So there's going to be a lot at stake for sure. 
Stephen, let me ask you this, and then uh, Rob followed up as well. But uh, Stephen, give me your opinion on Cole Caulfield. I mean, I watched him play, obviously, <laughs> following the NCAA uh, teams when he played at Wisconsin. But where would Montreal be? Because I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say if they don't bring him up, they not probably are not in the playoffs at all, but they certainly don't beat Toronto, and they certainly don't beat Winnipeg um, along the way without what he brought. He brought new life to them, new blood. Did you see that as well? Yeah, and actually this this is a, a good scenario, a good plug for you and Paul that do such great work with the NCAA side of things. You know, you have your, your two podcasts you do on, on our on our network here, and, and, and you guys do so well with, with covering that. And, and I think – it shows how important NCAA hockey is. It's a, it's a good tool to show, hey, you you can – I mean, I think a lot of circumstances applied this year to why Caulfield was able to get the chance so quick. But, I mean, yeah, he went from being playing in Wisconsin under uh, legendary coach Tony Granato, and Pierre mentioned a lot about, about him tonight uh, during the broadcast, and then um, getting getting right with the AHL team, then getting the call up to the Montreal Canadiens. And, and I don't know. I mean, it seems like uh, – I mean, I think Montreal was obviously had expecting that maybe they would have a chance to make a run, but I, I don't know. Bringing Cole Caulfield, and you probably just think, "Oh, let's let's get this guy and see what he can do." And and look at him now; he's he's in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He scored a goal tonight. His parents were there in attendance tonight at T-Mobile Arena. Great moment for for his parents who probably hadn't had a chance to see him play yet because of the the, the travel. You're not able to go to Canada, so this was the first chance to maybe see him play an NHL game in person. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think they had a chance to see him play in Montreal yet. So um, what a great moment for that. And it certainly has seemed to make a difference. It certainly has uh, re- rejuvenated the team a little bit and, and kind of give them a little bit of, of a push. And, and, uh, and Cole Caulfield a, is a great player. I mean, you, you follow him much more closely than I do, the college scene at least. So you, you know how good, good he is. But go ahead. Steven, he, he just doesn't know how to lose, right? Uh, he came, he came in at every level he's been at. He just refuses to lose. So this is a tough thing for him. I'm sure tonight to, to lose a game like this, but, uh, that energy, that excitement, that confidence, it can rejuvenate older players on a team, a Shea Weber, um, uh, different players on that, that roster. Uh, and then you team him up with a guy like Nick Suzuki and then you, you have uh, Tyler Toffoli with him on a line. And all of a sudden you've got, uh, you know, lightning in a bottle, if you will. Um, your thoughts on that, Rob? Well, I will use a different name, Brendan Gallagher. This is, this is to me, who Cole Caulfield reminds me of with more offensive talent. So normally, Brendan Gallagher is the energizer buddy that gets the team going. But this is now falling on Cole Caulfield. He gets the team going in all different types of ways. And then he uses his speed. He uses his offensive talent. He gets a goal. And all of a sudden, the team uh, hops on his back. And, you know, it's a different team. You know, Carey Price makes a couple of saves, and all of a sudden there's a different confidence. So I just I, – I like when guys come in like that. Uh, Wisconsin has, is a factory for NHL players, and, you know, it's just showing you earlier and earlier. Uh, I think Cole Caulfield, if there was a normal training camp and everything, would have been up. And when you see the more normal training camp, you're going to see all this experience that he gained in the playoffs. You're going to see that confidence when they go into – Steven, you got anything more on that one? No, I'll just share. There, there was a quote that was tweeted out about Caulfield in his press press conference after the game today. He, talking about the loss, he says, uh, I think we had our chances to get back in the game. It was tight there for a while. We got back to 2-1. to one. 
and just some bad bounces. Uh, there are things we can get better at and work on. Uh, we'll be ready, be ready for Wednesday. So this is a this is a guy that's a it's a rookie. He's his, his first first year in the league, or not even a whole year in the league, and he's already talking like a seasoned veteran, talking about what they did well, you know, what what they what they need to improve on and stuff. So he's he's uh, he's gaining a lot of uh, experience, and this is very valuable for for a kid who's just really starting his NHL career to have this kind of experience in the in the playoffs. So it's it's pretty uh it's pretty remarkable if you think about it. And and it just goes to show you that the we talked about this before that the 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 level of hockey skill of these players is so much better now when they start playing in their collegiate careers and then eventually in the minors. I mean, we see it with the AHL. The players at that level are really good. And then that leads to really good players coming into the NHL. So the future of this league is really in good hands. If you think about the players that, and, and Scott, and you know how well the t- NCAA talent is, and how, and, and and maybe you know how you can compare where it was and where it's at now. And then, and we see at the AHL level how, you know, a lot of those players end up there. And, and it just seems like the, the players that are coming into the game are already better equipped and better prepared to make the NHL level than maybe they were five, ten years ago. And that just shows you how good the future of the league is when you, when you have these kind of players that are able to get into these situations and, and really be right into the lineup and, and really be able to contribute from the beginning. Steven, you hit it right on the head. I was thinking the same exact thing, better prepared. The NCAA, especially when you look at Cole Caulfield who went through the USA hockey program as well as Wisconsin, and they're just being prepared for all these challenges that they'll face at the NHL level. They're experiencing at the international level and at the college level. So when they get to the NHL, it's almost second nature to them because of how high profile the programs they've come from that they used to. That's a great point, Rob. Um, You know, and I don't think that necessarily um, there wasn't that in the past because I go back to a good friend of mine, Neil Broughton, won the first Hobie Baker Award and uh, made the jump from NCAA hockey right into uh, the National Hockey League, bypassed the AHL and and really was an impact player for the Minnesota North Stars way back when. Um, but I think what we're seeing now got more talent. Um, there, there's just more uh, well-rounded, um, complete hockey players that are coming from the into the AHL or the NHL. Your thoughts on that? But the other, th- the, the, the other thing, uh, Scott, is there's more of them per team. So instead of yeah, a kid like instead of a kid like Broughton coming to the North Stars and he has to have all these Tino Cicerelli and all these other veterans that are grizzled. Oh, listen to you throwing out names like nobody's <laughs> business. I love it. And you know, so they so that's what his indoctrination was. Now you get kids that are having three, four, five sometimes, depending on the team, of their own age that they now could play PlayStation together with or Xbox and bond together. It's a different atmosphere. Can't argue that with you. Steven, your thoughts on that? No, I, I, I'm with you guys. Um, I'm, I don't have as much of a background in that sort of stuff. I haven't done much on that, but uh, you guys obviously have been around the game a lot longer. So you guys have more on that, but it's just, uh, just from what I've seen, it's just, yeah, it just seems like, there is more players that are ready to, to make that jump. And I think it's not – you're right, Scott. I think it's not so much that maybe the, the, the skill is better, although that's certainly the case. You're right. I think it's just that there there's more of more of them out there. And I think in the past, it's there was like this process. You, you have – you play your college hockey. If you got a chance – if you got drafted, you know, you'd spend 
you know, you go to training camps, you spend years in the minors, and maybe you get a shot. But it seems like now it's, the process is expedited. And, and I think that's because some teams are are in processes where they, they want to get better and they, they want to rely on the young talent. And, and others, you know, are, are built to win. And, so, and others are, are more of a slower process. So I think you're seeing – you're seeing a more more of a chance taken on on these younger players to really to shine, and it's it's paying off in some cases. So it's I think it's it's really okay, cool. Okay, so so I'm I'm going to take you both back to uh, April fifth when I uh, embarked on a seven thousand six hundred sixty two mile journey to uh, do exactly that. The most the competition was, I saw juniors USHL, I saw AHL, I saw NCAA. I saw the best of ACHA Division One. Uh, I saw the ECHL, and I saw the U18s all over a 30-day period. Um, my my vision, what I saw uh, with my own eyes, was that all of those guys were very, very close together. I mean, it's hard to tell a lot from the very best of each league um, who who can play where. And that's why I say a lot of times when we, we're looking at ACHA D1 players, there's a, an opportunity for them to make a jump up because of that talent. So um, final thoughts on that from you, Stephen. Your uh, your thoughts on just how close that talent's getting. You've seen some different levels. No, I'm with you, Scott. We've, we've have talked about that before, and, it's, and it, is, it is very close. There's not as big of a gap in between the different levels as there once was, and, and that's – that makes it more competitive and makes it more exciting. And it really puts the sport in a good uh, path because it's, it's just so exciting in that, you know, you don't have to worry about um, these lows where there's, there's not as good of a, a good a skill. And you, you, whether you go to a, a AHL game or whether you go to a, an ACHA game or NCAA game or these other ECHL game, the, 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 the differences is very small. It's, it's a lot of the same, similarity which which i think also helps when when players make the leap to the next level it's it's easier for them to fit in or adapt to that style because there's it's it's becoming very very similar in in a lot of ways and or there's not as much of a of a of a jump because it's it is more more equal in in that regard so rob your thoughts on that is that start at the junior level uh, the the younger kids are getting better coaching getting better opportunities moving on up or, or where does that uh where has that gap closed what's made that gap close i should say it's definitely starting uh younger and as uh steven and you were talking i was just thinking about just some of the kids that i'm coaching right now that are 15 and i'm looking at them and i'm like okay there's that's a D1 caliber kid right there. If he keeps going on the trajectory and that's what it is. It's just that they're starting at the, they're getting more opportunities at the lower levels and they are taking advantage of it. And therefore they're getting better, faster. They're putting more pressure situations in higher level situations so they can make that jump. But Steven said it the best when he, when uh, he talked about that, about making the jump, it's not as big of a jump because you're already used to playing against a lot of these guys that you, that are making that jump also, or have made it a year maybe before you. Now you're making the jump. You're like, okay, I played with this guy before I played with some of these guys. So it's just less than Okay, Stephen, final one for you since you're the uh, the Vegas native here. Uh, you've seen this team since its inception. Uh, you've seen the uh, excitement around it. Um, 
two-parter. First part is, what can the Vegas fans do to continually outdo themselves like they did tonight with the light sticks? Um, what can they do on that? And uh, has anything changed since 2018, good or bad? No, I really don't think so. I think it's just gotten to be, gotten better and better. They've been able to really figure out what works and doesn't work. Uh, yeah, the the light show is pretty pretty cool. And and even though this season, because of COVID restrictions, they don't have the on ice show. You know, the one of the staples is that they usually do that sword show at the beginning of games, and they haven't been able to do that. But they they do a video and they they do it that way, and so that's kind of cool. Um, and it's just really they do a lot with the lights and when Flurry's introduced they put the flowers around him on the ice there and stuff so that's just little touches like that um the in arena entertainment is is top notch and and you would know better because you've been in for the last two playoff games they really step it up for the playoffs more so than than that and, not, and that's always a show in the game but this is the thing with when it, when it's a normal season even the preseason games when you go to a preseason game those are usually games eh, okay the preseason games no very very i mean they're sold out i mean preseason games it's loud i mean you it's it's it really doesn't seem to be much different from preseason, regular season, postseason, although there is a little bit of a difference with postseason. There's, it's even louder than it no, normally would be, and that's saying a lot because it's loud in T-Mobile when there's 18,000 fans. But I just think it's a great showcase for the NHL right now because um, – and I'm not saying that the NHL is hoping that Vegas makes the Stanley Cup final. I'm sure they're not rooting for anybody in particular, but just what what the league has had to go through the last year with the, with last postseason with empty empty arenas and, and the bubble and – and having Vegas now, which is back to being a full capacity, and having eighteen thousand and and the show that Vegas provides, and, and certainly they did that first season. If to have them back in the Stanley Cup final in this stage um, would be a great showcase for the league to to bring people back in and and really get the excitement for for hockey and having full arenas again um, would is would be great. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's they don't really they don't really. Um, they really know how to do it, and they're smart hockey fans too. They they know that they're starting to learn the game more too. Yeah. I think the first yeah, season there were still they were still new to it, a lot of the fans. So, um, but now they 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 have four years under their belt, and I think they're 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 smart about the game, and they understand it, and and they know when to cheer, and they know the things about the game, and um and when when to boo if they think something's a penalty or or they're not as booing as much because of other things. So, um, they those are the things too. Is as you as the fans have gotten to, to be familiar with with hockey more and understand it, that that is a, a great thing. Uh, one thing I think that maybe wasn't a good thing is there, there's some buzz about the beach ball that was being bounced around at T-Mobile tonight. I'm not sure, <laughs> not sure that's a hockey thing. So maybe 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 they needed that's a, more of a baseball thing. You see that at baseball games. So maybe maybe the beach ball thing needs to go away. I love the pink flamingo thing. You know that they do when they win. Right. That's always that's cool. And when that's a big deal on, online too. And and so they keep keep that up, but the, the one criticism would be is the beach ball thing. I think is uh, that that might be something that they, they need to stop. But that's not necessarily the goal night That's just some fans deciding they're just going to throw a beach ball around like, you know, right. like it's nothing. But. I think you might see that in the L.A. King game once in a while. <laughs> uh, figures we hear that oh, from the oh, L.A. King guy. Uh, no, although it was a, although it was a hundred. Although it's, because I live oh. in L.A. does not make me an L.A. King guy. <laughs> Although I know, I know you're a Ranger guy right from the uh, right from the start. Oh, speaking so. of that, well, first of all, it was 110 degrees here in Las Vegas today, so maybe you know maybe people have the beach in mind and have the pool in mind because it was 110 today. And actually, for Game Two, it's going to be 115 in Las Vegas. In fact, today they said it's going to be the coolest temperature of the week, with 110. So that just shows you how hot it's going to be. 
And, and they were ten. Well, well let me ask you this: what, coming the from Scottsdale. What's the temperature in T-Mobile? <laughs> well, it's well, cool. I was I gonna mean, say it's it's very, not, very it's good not, tonight. It's not a home ice advantage uh, for the, about the weather. The home right. ice Just, advantage is the unless crowd. you have to try to get inside <laughs> the building. You know, getting from the parking garage inside could be difficult. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Stephen, yeah. I want to leave one, and then you can make your final comment. But uh, the one thing that I'm always impressed with in, in Vegas, and you know this from the very start, um, when we did Fan Appreciation Week and I came out here and I looked, there were so many different names on the back of Vegas Golden Knights jerseys, uh, some original, some players. Uh, but I went through and I documented, and I think I found every player plus about four or five that maybe played one game with them. Uh, I'm talking about like a gauge Quinny or stuff like that. So to me, that's strange because most hockey towns that you go to, you have your, I don't know, six to 10 uh, people that have the same, same jerseys on, but for here to have every player recognized, it just tells me something about the community. No, you're, you're dead on with that, Scott. And that is, you know, Vegas is a is a community, and we saw that obviously with the tragedy that happened on one October. Sadly, we but we what we saw from that was was the community that I think maybe people didn't really understand that the the community the aspect of the city that that is there, and unfortunately, it takes something like that sometimes a tragedy like like we had to kind of for people to see that. But you know, hopefully, people did did see that, and certainly the Golden Knights became part of that community as they started play right around that time and and started playing and and this this is a com- the city's a big city. It's it's very touristy driven. Obviously, a lot of people come here, but it's a very community feel to it. And and I think the players, uh, they they feel like are a part of this community. I think that's why, and that's why when players have left that were here from the beginning, it's it's always a it's it's a sad occasion because it's like oh you know he was he was here from the beginning you know when the Nate Schmidt left or even a even a Nick Suzuki who was a draft who was one of the first draft picks and now he's he's right. with the Canadians and and Don Merrill who's with the Canadians now he's not playing yet but he's he's with them and you know you see these players that were with the original team and and are now with other teams and and then we picked up other players that have been adopted into this family with the players that they've gotten since year 1 and have become a part of this 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 community so and and, and you and one thing i want to point out too is a lot of these players are in commercials here in town. I mean, if you look at the t- TV here in Vegas, you you see a lot of these players in commercials, in local commercials or even national commercials representing the Golden Knights. Uh, Nate Schmidt had a commercial with a local car car dealership here in town when he was with the Golden Knights, and uh, I've seen this one with Alex Petrangelo with Honda, and you know, and that's an that's a more of a national commercial in the NHL. But but you just seen a lot of, but who doesn't want the, Vegas is so well represented and, and there's always a, a call for these players and to be involved in the community that way. And, and it'll be nice when we're not in this COVID restri- when they're not in these COVID restrictions to see them back out in the community more, because that is something that this team is, is all about being in the community and helping out and, and going to schools and stuff like that. And they did some virtual stuff this year, but obviously not able to do really much this year being in, in, in this kind of restrictive bubble with uh, COVID. But um, when we have a normal season and there's not that, you're going to see this team out in the community a lot more again. And, and that's something that the fans love. And we're going to see packed practices too. That's another thing too. <laughs> the practices before COVID, I mean, even practices are packed at City National. I mean, who? what team has that? I mean, who even goes to watch a practice at 10 in the morning on a Tuesday? Golden Knights fans do. And that's and that, and that just shows you how, well this, how much this team is loved by the community and how much the Golden Knights love 
fans in the community of Vegas. Okay, Stephen, we'll let you go on this. There's four teams left. Who are the final two? <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Come on, well, I, make the prediction. Well, it's going to seem biased if I pick the Golden Knights, so that's, but that's what well, I'm going to go with. Tell us who the final two teams are. Who are the best two teams? I don't care if it's biased or not. <laughs> well, I, would, I, I think it's going to be the Golden Knights. I actually said the, the winner of the Colorado Golden Knights series would probably win the whole thing, so that maybe will hold true. But I, I say the Golden Knights, and uh, between Tampa and the Islanders, I picked the Islanders just to make it a little bit more intriguing for us because you've got Paul oh, who's there on Long Island. On Paul's side. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> on Long know. Island, and then we have and then we have our side here in Vegas. I mean, if you think and Tampa won it last year, and the Islanders haven't won in a bit, so that'd be kind of an intriguing matchup, Vegas and the Islanders, okay, and so. also, and and also another and another intriguing matchup that would bring is Barry Trotz again coaching yeah, against the Golden Knights in the exactly. Stanley Cup final, and you wonder what that will be like because obviously when he was with Washington. <laughs> Washington won the cup in 2018, and now he's with the Islanders, and the Islanders maybe make the cup final, and then he, he gets to coach against the Golden Knights again, and, and we would see what happens from that point. But wouldn't that be something? Yeah, absolutely. All right, my friend, thanks for staying up late with us. I don't know it's not really late here, I guess. It's not even 10 o'clock yet, but appreciate your insight as always. Uh, Rob and I will be right back to uh, talk a little bit about the uh, other series, if you will, the Islanders and Tampa Bay, and then wrap up this edition of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly in two minutes. Hi, this is Derek Stevens. Download your new sports betting app with Circus Sports. Get 24-7 access to a dynamic sports betting menu, including props, futures, cross-sport parlays, in-game wagering, and more. Sign up for the mobile wagering app at CircusSports.com. Then visit one of our downtown Las Vegas sportsbooks at the D or the Golden Gate to activate and fund your mobile wagering account. Learn more at CircusSports.com. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said It's been running through my head Locked and loaded Still got it Still got it Who's old now? All right, well, Southwest Weekly Strandy joining you tonight, not from Scottsdale, Arizona, my familiar. Uh, took game one, 4 1 over the uh, Montreal. My co host from beautiful Southern California, Rothfarb, is with me. Um, Rob, uh, just got a few minutes left, so let's wrap it up with uh, your thoughts on the Islander Tampa Bay series that got off the an Islander start, if you will, on the road. Well, one thing that uh, the Islanders did that really impressed me is they were really, they really took it to Tampa. They didn't sit back. They really tried to, uh, Matt Barzell, uh, Bovillier, they really took it to, uh, to the Tampa Bay Lightning and they didn't uh, allow Tampa to get their legs under them. It'll be interesting to see what happens in game two. Uh, Varlamov outplayed uh, Vas- Vasilevsky. So, I mean, it's just 
goaltender after goaltender after goaltender after goaltender in these final fours. Uh, I can't remember the last time, and I would have to look back and look to see who the goaltenders were. But they're so dynamic that each one of these goalies that are left can not only steal a game, they could steal a series. And Barlamov didn't have to steal a series because I think the Islanders kind of dominate, even though the shots were the same. I just felt that the if I as a as a fan, I just felt the Islanders had the better of the play. If it was a fight, I think the Islanders would have gotten the decision uh, on that because it was a two-one game. Say it ended up in going into overtime uh, at one-one before the uh, Islanders would have won it. I still think a decision would have gone to the Islanders just from the eye sight. Uh, and the eye test, I thought the Islanders had to. Okay, so we talked about the goaltenders. Uh, all four of them uh, playing pretty well. Um, how much is Barry Trotz uh, affecting the play of the New York Islanders? The team is definitely built in his mold, uh, but there's still some good coaches left. Uh, every t- every one of them has a pretty decent coach because uh, John Cooper's, a st- I believe, a Stanley Cup winner himself. Uh, it, it, but the Islanders are built in the mold of Barry Trotz. Uh, you can see it from the, from the goaltender out. Uh, so I, you can definitely always feel every series, every game uh, that the Islanders play well in and that they don't. You can feel the Barry Trotz uh, stamp on it, and sometimes there's more than others. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. So uh, Islanders and uh, Tampa Bay tomorrow. Um, your thoughts on who's going to come out of that one? Well, I said on Twitter a few days ago, uh, I, I don't remember exactly what day, but I thought it was going to be an uh, a Tampa Bay Golden Knights series. And I'm not going to waver from that just because the Islanders won the first game. Uh, besides... As long as I could have, I could stay off the bandwagon of of Paul Hornstein. I, I, the happier that I'll be. <laughs> How did be, I know be, that was coming? <laughs> because because I don't I don't. I mean the the Islanders play such a good game as it is, and they're so hard to root against that I don't you know. And I know Paul's going to listen to this at some point. That I just don't I just don't want him to get this big head that the Islanders are that good or that I'm rooting for the same team as him. You know I I don't know if that. I love it. Oh, I absolutely love it. Okay, so uh, I asked Stephen to make the prediction, so let's get your prediction as well. Four teams. As I said earlier, I'm going to stick with the uh, Lightning and the Golden Knights. Uh, I gave you a second chance to waver, and you still didn't. No. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna waver because because it just it just seems like I'm gonna jump on the bandwagon because of one nothing on the lead, and I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Uh, Tampa's a good team. Okay. Uh, they have good goaltending as well. So you, you can and and look, there's so many ex Rangers on the Lightning, including one of my favorite Rangers that got traded to Lightning in uh, McDonough. Uh, connection going around somewhere. Okay. Uh, uh, news bit in professional hockey today was the announcement that the Rangers have a new coach. Tell us who it is. Okay, before I will tell you who it is, when the news originally broke uh, about Quinn being fired weeks ago, I had a friend call me up and tell me Gerard Gallant is going to be the next Ranger coach, and it's going to be done by the weekend. This was a 
I want to say a Thursday. And he's like, it's going to be done by the weekend. And what I told him then was it won't be done by Thursday, but he will be the coach. They are going to wait and <laughs> give every opportunity for Rod Brindamore or Cassidy, someone that, that, that could really change the complex of this team and the complexion of this team to f- shake loose. If not, Gallant will be their man. A few weeks later, Gallant's their man. Yeah, good point. So so let me ask you this. I watched him his, his first year and a half here with the uh, Golden Knights, and I thought he was really almost over the top, a player's coach. Is that what the Rangers need, Rob? I don't know if they necessarily need a player's coach. They need more toughness. They need more grit, more sandpaper. And I just think that Gerard Gallant's style when he played the game is a little bit more what they need. And they need to be a four-line team. Like the, If you look at the other similarities between the four, final four teams is not only are they a goaltending good team, but they're a four-line team. And that's what the Rangers can't win the playoffs without four lines. I, I just uh, totally, totally don't believe that unless you have uh, a Wayne Gretzky or maybe an Alex Ovechkin. Um, but you'd have to have a real silver game. And the only one I've ever seen do that is Gretzky. But okay. Even those teams had four lines because Semenko played on the fourth line. So they had four lines. They just may not have been as glorified as the, some of them are now. But every team, just about the Islanders during their dynasty, four lines. That's what that's what it takes. It takes that because those grinding players of the third and fourth line, the third line shuts down your best line under the other team. And the fourth line, if they could get at any offense, and which some of these teams do, the Islanders with Matt Martin, Clutterbuck, and Sezikis, I'd take that on, on – I'd say, okay, give me those three, put them on the Rangers next year, and I guarantee you the Rangers are a better playoff – they're not only a playoff team, but they're a, a competitive Okay, more coaching news. This is just speculation on my part, but uh, I'm going to spread the rumors. Mike Van Ryan will become the head coach of the Arizona Coyotes. Rick Tockett will become the head coach of the Seattle Kraken. Um, That's not going to happen. Why? Just because I think uh, Rick Tockett has decided he's going to take all the money he is owed from the Arizona Coyotes. And the Arizona Coyotes obviously going very, very young and experienced in NHL coaching, but Mike Van Ryan would be a good choice for them. Just don't expect them to make the playoffs anytime soon. Now, either you've been talking about this for way too long about Mike Van Ryan, or he was actually hired from the Coyotes because it feels like I thought I was. <laughs> so well, uh, well, now, now people are just starting to catch up with me. That's what the deal is. Like he, he officially interviewed today or uh, Monday. Yeah. Today. So officially interviewed today, but they, they interviewed three other candidates uh, prior to that, and I believe they left him for last so that they can make him the head coach. I also think that, uh, well, I don't think. I know that Rick Tockett is going to stick it out till the end of June, get all the pay that he's owed uh, from the Arizona Coyotes, and then they'll make the, uh, the official hire of Mike Van Ryan uh, sometime maybe later this month, but probably more likely the first week of uh of July, and then I think it's Tockett's job in Seattle, unless for some reason he decides he doesn't want it. There's a couple of head coaching jobs that his name has been tied to. I think Columbus is one. He interviewed uh, everywhere. Yeah, well, he has all he, the he, big four. 
And, and Galantis did too. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why the Rangers are doing this now is they're not getting the feeling that a couple of their uh, dark horse candidates will shake loose. So they jump in on Gallant. Uh, and they probably told Gallant when they interviewed him before he left for uh, the Worlds that he's, hey, I'm, you're our guy. Unless this happens, you're our guy. And this didn't happen. So they went what was plan A1, I guess, or A2. Yeah, you're probably right in that uh, regard. And it doesn't hurt when you come back with a gold medal either, uh, even though it was uh, the world. The worlds are a little bit different these days with uh, the talent level. But um, congratulations to Canada for getting the gold. They got the gold in the U18s. They got the gold in the world in the uh, world championships. So congratulations to uh, Team Canada. Okay, my friend, I'll let you wrap it up for us, and we'll say goodnight from uh, T-Mobile Arena in Southern California. You got it. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casinos Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Roger Klein's Cancio and Tequila. Our new extra Anejo is aged about three years before bottled. Get your bottle tonight now at CancioTequila.com. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casino. From the Fremont Street experience to the iconic American Coney Island restaurant. We are more than just great gaming. Book your spot at the D.com. Verizon Wireless, the 5G and 5G Ultra Band for Business America's been waiting for. By summer skates, fall, winter, doesn't matter. We still like to keep our drinks cold. Get your personalized koozies and shower shoes. Go to icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the summer skates banner. By Behind the Mask and behindthemask.com, where we can provide for all your hockey needs on the ice or inline. See the website for our three Valley locations and more. Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas, where despite how long it takes you to eat your meal, there's so many delicious choices, it always seems to take you longer to decide what to eat than actually eat it. By M-Drive, presenting partner of What Drives You. M-Drive in the morning, relax at night. Our two-step system for energy, stamina, recovery. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casinos Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app. Available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcast. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly presented by the D Resort and Casino is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Good night, everybody. All right. Very well done, my friend. We will say good night from T-Mobile, and I said from uh, beautiful Southern California. What's the temperature out there, Rob? About 70, 75 right now? Wait, let, let, let me let me check out. Oh, nope, it's 68, 68 degrees. Oh, shush. <laughs> it is 68. Shush. Wait, what is it in Las Vegas? Just stop it. It's probably 100. Uh, it was 110 <laughs> when I came in here, so it's probably still around 95 to 100. So, uh, okay, uh, we'll say good night, and uh, we'll thank our uh, our good friend Stephen Marsh for coming on and uh, giving us a little insight into Vegas hockey. And we'll say good night with Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, De Niro. Good night, everybody. Thank you.